We only have 93 days until week zero and consequentially the 2023 season kicks off. And I'm very excited, even though there are no great week zero games, at least to my knowledge, maybe an upset or two will happen, or maybe one of the group of five games will be very entertaining. It's still going to be fun to watch some college football, get an early look at the handful of teams that play in week zero and college football is the best sport in the world. It's always fun. So I'm excited for anything I can get relating to the sport. Today, what I'm going to be showing you guys are my preseason predictions post-spring for the 2023 Big Ten season. The Big Ten will have 16 teams in 2024. I'm very excited for the Big Ten's 2024 season. Really, college football's 2024 season is... There's going to be a lot of conference realignment nationally and in the Big Ten, and there's going to be scheduling changes, playoff changes, and I've already mentioned the 2024 season a few times on this channel relating to certain Big Ten teams and what I think their chances are then, but today we're just going to be sticking to 2023, the 14 teams that currently make up the Big Ten, and we're going to go through, predict their records, discuss strengths and weaknesses of each team, their outlook, and just talk about them. And we're going to be starting with the Big Ten West. The Big Ten East will be after the Big Ten West because it's the better division, and we save the best for last here. And we're going to be starting, to continue with that tradition, with the worst team in each division, and then move all the way up. So it'll be 7th to 1st in the West, and then 7th to 1st in the East. I'm going to make another video like this, later in the summer that will include bowl projections, college football playoff projections, and Big Ten championship game things, along with some other things as well, like maybe all conference selections included within this video. So if you want to see that, see other lists, top 10s, top 15s for players, teams, predictions, I'm going to do SEC and Pac-12 predictions, hit that subscribe button, like the video, watch it all the way through so it can get into the algorithm, and comment your Big Ten predictions for the 2023 season down below. Without further ado, let's begin with Northwestern. Now, Pat Fitzgerald is, I still think, a good head coach. I don't hold him in the same regard as great like I did last year or near elite after 2020 entering 2021. But you look at what he's done ever since 2019, and he take out the COVID year, and Northwestern's only won a combined 17 games, and they've lost, not 17, 7, dropped the 10 there, and they've lost 29. They've went 7-29 in their past four seasons, excluding the COVID year, if you don't count that. In the COVID year, I think Northwestern, they only had two losses. They reached the Big Ten title game, and they played Ohio State very close. Northwestern, their problem is they lose Evan Hull, who is one of their better players at running back. They lose Pete Skoronsky on the offensive line, and there are many other players that transferred out of Northwestern. And I don't know about you, but I feel like the transfer portal era, NIL era, that it's good for a lot of schools, especially lower-level ones and higher-level ones. It's kind of like the middle class of college football might get hurt a little bit, like the Michigan States and some of these other programs that I notice are 
actually suffering from the portal and from NIL more than we might have anticipated. But a school like Northwestern, where they have high academic standards, it's hard to transfer in there. The portal is killing them. The portal is absolutely handicapping Northwestern, in my opinion. I think all of that, plus the fact that they got rid of some staff members, they have massive attrition basically everywhere. I just don't think they're going to be that good whatsoever. I don't. I'm thinking 2-10, and 0-9 and in conference. I think this will be Pat Fitzgerald's last year or second to last if they were to, to decide to keep him after this season into 2024. I think special teams will be good. Same with tight end and linebacker, but running back, you lose Evan Hall and I think Porter and wide receiver. They had a guy transfer out of there. Quarterback with Ryan Holinsky and an incoming transfer in Ben Bryant from Cincinnati. That will be an interesting place to watch is quarterback for the Northwestern Wildcats. We have Purdue in sixth place in the Big Ten West. Purdue, I think that there's a big gap between Purdue and Northwestern. I think there's a huge gap there. And the reason for that is A, because Northwestern can't utilize the portal as much. They've had a collection of bad years for nearly the past half a decade, which is ironically in that same time frame as when they've won the West, the only two times in the West Division's existence that Northwestern's won the West. It's an interesting stretch for Pat Fitzgerald. But anyway, let's stop talking about Northwestern. We're on Purdue. Purdue has a good quarterback in Hudson Card. That's why I have them as a B-plus there. And then they have at running back a good guy in Devin Mockaby. Their tight end room is deep. I know that Payne Durham is off to the NFL, but I think that they're going to practically reload there. And they bring in Graham Harrell. Purdue does, too, to be their offensive coordinator. So the Purdue Boilermakers... I think could be the spoiler makers once again, but could be doesn't mean I think they will be. And even though I think that the defense under the direction of Ryan Walters and bringing in some transfers, I think that overall this team is just woefully under-equipped, except at quarterback and tight end and the front seven, but especially quarterback with Hudson Card, very underrated player. They're unequipped to deal with Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State's, and part of me would even say the Iowa's and Minnesota's of the world. And unlike Northwestern, who had a, a decently easy schedule, including an FCS opponent, Purdue plays two Power 5 non-conference opponents, and they play Ohio State Michigan. So they have an incredibly tough schedule. It's very much the toughest in October, early November, late September. You start off the year easy. You end the year easy with Northwestern and Indiana, who, spoiler alert, is obviously the worst team in the Big Ten East, but in the middle is very tough. So Purdue and Ryan Walters, I think in the first year, five and seven, two and seven in conference, I think will be solid. And I think that Ryan Walters is going to be a rising star in the coaching world. So keep your eyes on him. And speaking of a rising star in the coaching world, though this head coach has been around for quite some time, we have Brett Bielema in Illinois. Tommy DeVito was lost. Chase Brown was lost. But at wide receiver, Illinois returns players like Casey Washington, for example. Defensively, they return Jerzon Newton, who is one of the best, if not the best, Big Ten defensive lineman. He decided to come back. 
And I think that Illinois is going to be a team that, despite losing defensive coordinator Ryan Walters to become the head coach of Purdue, they're going to be a, a defensive team. Their offensive line, I think, will be the strength of the offense overall. Illinois will once again be a team that loves to run the football. Isaiah Adams at guard and Julian Peril at tackle should be all conference-level offensive linemen. I really like the direction where Illinois is going. My only problem is when you lose a player like Chase Brown, who is an amazing back in, in a good system that fits him, and Tommy DeVito was a very underrated quarterback for Illinois. He was very efficient, wasn't asked to do a whole lot, but he was efficient, definitely in the top half of the Big Ten's quarterbacks last season, that's for sure. And then you bring in Luke, Luke Altmeyer from Ole Miss, who hasn't had much experience, who some say looked good in the spring game, but I don't know if I trust him. And Illinois, their schedule, that road game against Kansas, I think is sneaky. I think it's a sneaky, sneaky game. And Penn State comes into town after that. It's one of the easier schedules for the Big Ten, actually, if you really think about it. It's one of the easier Big Ten schedules. There's no Michigan, no Ohio State, and Penn State's at home. And need I remind you that nine-overtime game in 2021 where Illinois rushed for 300 yards against an elite or near-elite Penn State defense. Penn State will be out for blood, but it will be on the road, and Penn State has their whiteout game against Iowa, which will be another revenge game the following week. So could Illinois upset Penn State, beat Kansas? Yes, Illinois has a high ceiling, but I think that their floor is going to get the better of them, especially at quarterback and other skill positions, which is why I have them going 6-6, six 4-5 and six, four and five to be 5th in the Big Ten West. Up next, we have 4th in the Big Ten West, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, who are the only Power 5 team to not go bowling since 2017. And I think that streak will break under first-year head coach Matt Rule. If you remember... In my 2022 Big Ten predictions, which, I mean, Michigan and Ohio State, I predicted them to be far and away the best two teams in the conference. I predicted them to both be playoff contenders, both near elite to elite teams. That was all well and good. What wasn't good was the fact that I picked Nebraska to go 10-2 and two and win the Big Ten West and be a top 10 team. Well, that, that prediction impaled itself, bled out, and died. It was miserable. Was a miserable prediction. But fourth for Nebraska, I think is going to be a solid landing spot right in the middle for Matt Rule in his first year. And playing in the Big Ten West, you might think his schedule would be easier. But non-conference Power 5 road game against Colorado, no one's expecting Colorado to be this elite team or even a good team. I'm certainly not. But still, after a tough road opener against Minnesota, could be an area to look at. And Michigan, at home, that's not going to be easy. Road games against Michigan State, Illinois, Wisconsin, that's going to be tough. I think that Jeff Sims at quarterback is the strength of this offense. I think when you look at wide receiver, you have Billy Kemp. You have Marcus Washington at tight end. I mean, Eric Gilbert did transfer in, so that, that room has depth, but we'll see if he even plays. You have others at tight end as well, like Thomas Fedone. At running back, you have Anthony Grant. And then defensively, I like MJ Sherman 
And I think that this defensive line and this defense overall with Tony White's new 3-3-5 scheme, the defensive coordinator, I think that this defense will bounce back and it will be much better than last year's unit. That will be the more improved side of the football for Nebraska. I just, looking at this team, it's going to be hard going from losing record to top 25, especially given the fact that Nebraska's not completely overhauling their roster using the transfer portal. They have a near top 25 transfer portal class, but there are several teams, including Big Ten teams, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Indiana, who have better portal class than they do. But still, for Matt Rule and company, this will be a good year one finish. Seven and five, four and five in the Big Ten. At third, we got Minnesota. The Minnesota Golden Gophers under P.J. Fleck, I think, are poised for one of their better seasons. I saw a comment that was talking about how Minnesota fans are sick of just being average to above average to good. They want to taste the greatness. They want to be able to have high expectations. I mean, Minnesota is a, a team and a program that has ha, does not even really have the capability to fulfill high expectations consistently, at least at a caveat to that for the entire era before P.J. Fleck came. They had a 10-3 and season in, what, 2003, I think, under Glenn Mason. But now, here we are. P.J. Fleck went 11-2 and in 2019, top 10 finish. They're coming off of back-to-back nine-win seasons with bowl wins, where they went 9-4, and which included some bad losses, like one to Bowling Green in 2021 and another home-humiliating loss to Purdue road humiliation against Penn State last year. But Minnesota, I think, with at tight end with Brevin Spanford, at wide receiver with Corey Crooms and Chris Ottman-Bell, running back with Sean Tyler, and quarterback, while I don't think it's going to be this amazing spectacle, Ethan Kaliak-Manis will be a solid starting quarterback. With his legs, with his arms, with his decision-making, we saw... Last year, his improvement throughout the season, when he looked like a deer in the headlights at Penn State and looked like one of the nation's better quarterbacks against Wisconsin, I think that Ethan Kaliak-Manis, while not being an elite quarterback, will be a above-average good quarterback. And putting a good quarterback in a system and in a roster where his supporting cast, offensive line, tight end, wide receiver, running back, are all going to be great to potentially elite, that will help him have success. It'll help him learn in his first full year as a starting quarterback. And P.J. Fleck also has a good staff. Matt Simon and Greg Harbaugh Jr., now that Kirk Shiraka is out, this is going to be their year to fully command Minnesota's offense. Defensively, Minnesota traditionally, especially over the past two seasons, has been more so known for their defense. Their defensive line loses quite a lot of talent. Defensive back, they return Justin Wally, though, and a few other players, as well as linebacker. At special teams, I think, like defensive line, and potentially quarterback will be the weakness of this team. Skill positions, offensive line, and secondary will be strengths of this team. you got to mention Joe Rossi as well at defensive coordinator. Possibly a top 10 DC. So the defense should mostly remain intact. Another weakness is the schedule. Playing both Michigan and Ohio State in the same year is like being an SEC school and playing both Georgia and Alabama in the same year. It sucks. Minnesota, I think, will go 9-3, and 
six and three in conference. Michigan and Ohio State will be too much for them. They will open up and close out the regular season with wins over rivals Nebraska and Wisconsin, but still have yet to beat Iowa under the P.J. Fleck regime. And speaking of the Hawkeyes, we have Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, whose name shall not be mentioned from here on out, and Phil Parker, the defensive coordinator. He whose name shall not be mentioned commanded one of the worst offenses I have ever seen with my naked eyes last year. Luckily, Spencer Petrus is gone, and most of the wide receivers. So Iowa's in a peculiar spot on offense. Let's just put it that way. Named is just an atrocity to this world. At quarterback and wide receiver, though, well, there are questions. I think that Iowa has upgraded there. They're bringing in Caleb Brown and Seth Anderson at wide receiver. Caleb Brown was under the tutoring of Brian Hartline at Ohio State for a year as wide receiver. Well recruited. And at quarterback, Cade McNamara helped Michigan win the Big Ten in his first year fully starting. So Iowa has guys with high ceilings and guys with high floors. And at running back, they have Caleb Johnson, who I think is a very solid playmaker, was the only Iowa running back with any kind of talent last season. Tight end pairing Eric All and Luke Lachey could be the number one tight end duo in the nation. It could rival Brock Bowers and Oscar Delp, not because any of them are better than Brock Bowers, but because both of those tight ends, they're, they're big, they're physical, and they're even deep threats receiving, which is kind of cool and kind of interesting an offensive line i think the o-lines that we used to see and used to enjoy in the kirk ference era i think they will bounce back if i'm being honest i love where iowa is in the trenches and defensively they return cooper DeGene in the secondary and they also return a good amount of linebacker and defensive line talent you got joe evans and Devonte deontay pardon me, Deontay Craig at the defensive line. Special teams should also be phenomenal. The problem for Iowa is, of course, he who shall not be named as offensive coordinator and the quarterback and wide receiver room, really the offense in general. And while this schedule is easier, it's one of the easier Big Ten schedules I've seen, there are still road games at Iowa State, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. Iowa State and Nebraska are traditional rivals, same with Wisconsin, and Penn State's going to be out for blood after being beaten two years in a row in 2020, and especially that humiliating loss come from behind win for the Hawkeyes in 2021, which that'll also be Penn State's whiteout game. So Iowa 10-2, and 7-2 in the Big Ten West. I think Kirk Ferentz is going to have another good double-digit win season. And who I think will win the Big Ten West is Luke Fickle and the Wisconsin Badgers. I think that Wisconsin will stand at 10-2, and 7-2 and in conference, same as Iowa, so they'll technically have a co-divisional title, but that head-to-head -head win by Wisconsin will matter a whole lot. Just like that head-to-head -head win for Nebraska and Illinois, while it doesn't matter a whole lot, that's why Nebraska was in fourth, Illinois was in fifth, despite their tied conference record because of that head-to-head -head win. Ohio State and Michigan fans will know all about this because they both were tied for first in the East in 2018 and 2021. 
Ohio State won it in 2018, and Michigan won it in 2021. The winners of the game, of course, went on to win the Big Ten that season and capture 13 for Ohio State and 12 wins for Michigan, respectively. What I like about Wisconsin is their elite staff. You got Mike Tressel, defensive coordinator, Phil Longo as offensive coordinator, and Luke Fickle as the head coach. That is an amazing staff already. And they get to command Braylon Allen and Chesma Lucy at running back, Tanner Mordecai at quarterback. And I want to quickly insert that he did not have a good spring game. That's obviously known, but neither did Justin Fields. And if the chemistry and everything can work out relatively early for Tanner Mordecai in Wisconsin, I do think that this offense could be humming and could be one of the Big Ten's best offenses this season. Wide receiver, I think that's a weakness for this team. C.J. Williams hasn't exactly come through like many of us thought he would. Chimera Adike, he's a good wide receiver, but he seems to really be the only one on the team right now that is using his talents and his skills to their fullest ability. Offensively on the offensive line and also on the defensive line, this team will be solid in the trenches. They'll be great at linebacker, great at defensive back. I anticipate that Mike Tressel's defense will immediately be one of the Big Ten's better defenses. There's more question marks on the offense, especially that's because that's where the main identity of the team is changing. Special teams can also have some weaknesses there, too. They've not been traditionally good under Paul Christ, and they haven't exactly been fixed via the transfer portal or the current roster. Wisconsin's schedule, they host Ohio State, which probably will be an undefeated matchup in my mind. They also host Iowa, and they do have plenty of home easy games. They have a road game at Minnesota to close out the year, but a favorable schedule for who I think will win the Big Ten West in year one. Could potentially reach the playoff and win it all in year one. Just saying, TCU nearly did that last season. We're now moving on to the Big Ten East. Obviously, Northwestern, Purdue, Illinois, Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, in that order for the Big Ten West. We're now moving on to the Big Ten East, the tougher of the two divisions, obviously. In fact, the West, as we all know, has never won a Big Ten championship game. And I don't exactly think that's going to change this season, whether it's Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State against Wisconsin, very likely that any team that wins the East is going to beat any team that wins the West, even if the team in the East was unknown in the preseason. The East is just that much tougher. You're more battle-tested. Speaking of battle-tested, Indiana is going to be battle-beaten, and Tom Allen will be fired after 2023. Tom Allen is a coach that I personally do not get. I don't do it. I think Kalen DeBoer is the one who gave him any kind of success. DeBoer was the offensive coordinator in 2019 when Indiana went 8-5 and five and largely built the 2020 Indiana team that finished second in the Big Ten East was better than both Michigan and Penn State and Michigan State that season. That Indiana team nearly came back against Ohio State in the horseshoe. Remember with Michael Penix and Ty Fry Fogel? Now both of them are gone. Michael Penix is still in college. Ty Fry Fogel tried to go to the NFL and failed. Michael Penix is at Washington with Kalen DeBoer. And I think both of them combined will reach the college football playoff this season. Michael Penix 
finished second in the nation last year in passing yards total. Washington went 11-2, beat Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Very good team. This Indiana team is the inverse of that. They have no quarterback play. Their staff is just an atrocity, a living atrocity. They have Jalen Lucas, who will provide a solid running back room, and he's a good special teams return guy. Also, the Hoosiers have Aaron Casey at linebacker, and they have some players along the D-line, such as Andre Carter, who are transferring in from Western Michigan, NFL-type defensive lineman. But offensively, outside of running back, Indiana is null and void, and with one of the nation's toughest schedules, I think Indiana will go 2-10, 0-9 in conference. Like the SEC West, you play in the Big Ten East, and you'll get a lot of competition, but if you don't have a lot of talent, you won't get a lot of wins. At number six, sixth place in the Big Ten East, we have the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Greg Schiano has not exactly lived up to the expectations. Although those expectations are nowhere near high, if Rutgers just went bowling every other year, the fan base would be happy, it would be growing, the team might even be growing, and the momentum might snowball to where Rutgers might have a top 25 year. The problem is that hasn't happened yet. Rutgers, after going 3-5 and five in the COVID year in 2020, went 5-7 and seven, and then 4-8. and eight. They finished in the bottom of their division, guys. It's not good. It's not looking good. In fact, I'd say that Greg Schiano's probably on a warm seat. I don't know about a hot seat, but a warm seat, certainly. He thankfully fired Sean Gleason early last season, and he brought in Minnesota offensive coordinator Kirk Scirocco, who he worked with in his first tenure at Rutgers, to hopefully fix Gavin Wimsat, revamp this offense, because the defense is going to be the strength of this team, along with special teams. That's right. Deion Jennings at Rutgers, he's one of the better linebackers in the Big Ten. He should get all Big Ten honors. Special teams, once again, is just going to be solid. They're well put together, and while they don't return everyone at special teams there, Greg Schiano and Rutgers, they're so disciplined there. Defense, special teams, they're kind of like the Iowa. They're kind of like the Iowa of the Big Ten East. Unfortunately, they don't have as easy of a schedule as the Iowa Hawkeyes do in the Big Ten West. They have Michigan, Ohio State. They even play at Wisconsin as their divisional crossover, and at Iowa, too, which really stinks. And then they have a road game against Penn State as well. I think Gavin Wimsatt at quarterback might be busted. It might be too late to fix him. Wide receiver is empty. There's no one in that room, and the offensive line has question marks. All of these things lead me to believe that Rutgers will go 5-7, and 2-7 and seven in the Big Ten East, finish 6th in the division. If they played Iowa's schedule, they probably would go bowling, but that's not the reality of college football or of playing in the Big Ten. Thankfully, divisions will be abolished after this season, when USC and UCLA join the conference next year. A team that does not have high expectations either, but has actually went bowling, and I think will go bowling for the third year in a row, are the Maryland Terrapins. I think that Maryland under Mike Loxley, they opened up 2019 and just flat-out disappointed outside of a very impressive, later kind of mediocre-looking win over Syracuse, who when Maryland crushed them was ranked, but Syracuse finished that year with a losing record as well. 
But ever since then, they've gotten better and better every year. And I don't exactly know whether the trend will continue or not. Going 8-5 and five last year and playing Ohio State and Michigan competitively was impressive. If they beat Purdue, which was a, they were a two-point conversion away from going to overtime with, 9-4, and four, potential top 25 team. They looked top 25 at the beginning of the year last year. Then when Talia got hurt and the team slowly began to fall apart due to the heavy schedule, they no longer look top 25. The Terps have top 25 potential this year, though. They return quarterback Talia Tagovailoa, who probably would have gotten drafted on the third day of the NFL draft. They have Roman Hemby at running back, who nearly had 1,000 yards rushing and 100 or 200 more receiving yards and a touchdown receiving. At wide receiver, they bring in Caden Prather from the transfer portal, who is one of West Virginia's better wide receivers. And at tight end, they have Corey Dicious. And they have many other players at those positions as well. From a skill position standpoint, despite losing Rakeem Jarrett to the NFL, who went undrafted, losing C.J. Dupree to Alabama, and losing some other playmakers, they could be elite at every position when it comes to skill position-wise, which is quite impressive. And when you look at the way Maryland has recruited, especially early in the Loxley era, it wouldn't surprise you that much. But through the transfer portal and through development, I'm impressed with what Maryland has done. And having Josh Gaddis and Kevin Sumlin on the same staff with Loxley, you have a lot of offensively-minded guys there. I think Loxley, even though we may underestimate him still as a head coach, do not underestimate his ability to build a staff. The defense will be solid, not as good as the offense, but I think special teams and Mike Loxley himself will probably be the bigger weaknesses of this team. But again, his staff overall is solid outside of him, and he could prove me wrong this season. But with a tough schedule, we'll just have to wait and see. I think the Terps will go 6-6, six and 3-6 six, and six in the Big Ten, and they'll go bowling for the third year in a row. Very impressive job by head coach Mike Loxley. We have the Michigan State Spartans as the fourth place team in the Big Ten East. It has been quite the fall from grace for Mel Tucker and company. Michigan State last year started preseason top 20, top 15. Some people had them in the preseason top 10. And you know what happened? They went 5-7. and 3-6. and six was a miserable year, if you were a Spartan fan. Watching them myself as a Michigan fan, it was pathetic, to say the least. Going from 11-2 and two and playing clutch, winning nearly every one possession game they played in, nearly all of them, actually all of them, their only two losses were to Purdue and Ohio State, those were by 11 points or more, to now seeing them, they were losing several games, most of them were blowouts. Uh, they even lost to Indiana at home. It was just disappointing. I think Michigan State is going to be closer to their 2021 selves than their 2022 selves. You may be thinking, well, why are they 6-6 six and six and 4-5 and five in conference then? Well, let's start out. He said we're going to be talking about strengths and weaknesses for every team, and we've done that. For Michigan State, their biggest weakness perhaps isn't anything on the team itself, it's their schedule. The Michigan State Spartans play Central Michigan, Richmond to open up the year, but then Washington, 
Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, four teams that'll be in the top 10, road games at Minnesota and Iowa. That's tough. And the Penn State game, while practically a home game because it is in Michigan and it is at Ford Field, is somewhat of a neutral site game. Michigan State sacrificing a home game to play in Ford Field, which will be Friday. It'll be Black Friday is when they play that game at night, indoors. I might want to go to that game. Might be a good game. But it also might not be. And Michigan State, they have good starters. I think this team, when it comes to first stringers, will be the best team and most talented team that Mel Tucker has had. There will be fewer holes than there ever have been for Mel Tucker. The problem still is overall depth and the coaching staff. Despite the fact that looking at it now, the way that Jay Johnson and Mel Tucker want to run their offense makes sense given their great tight end room with Malik Carr and their running back room with Nathan Carter, Jalen Berger, and Noah Kim at quarterback. I look at it all, and I think that the staff has question marks. The defensive back room, while I think it will improve, also has question marks. Same with the special teams unit that could not make extra points last year. So 6-6, six and 4-5 six, and five for the Michigan State Spartans is my record prediction. It'll be interesting to see how they fare without Keon Coleman, but remember, they have Trey Mosley at wide receiver, so they're not barren there whatsoever. Third place in the Big Ten East, we have Penn State. The Penn State Nittany Lions was another one of the teams that I was totally wrong on in 2022. I thought that James Franklin was going to have to pull up the plane from crashing down into the sea. I thought that 2022 was just going to be a year where Penn State had to survive and hope that 2023, when Drew Aller was mature and most of the defense and most of the players were going to be returning, or at least half of them in the recruiting classes that signed multiple five-stars and high-end four-stars, which Penn State had in both their 2021, 2022, and 2023 classes, especially 2022 and 2023, but their 2021 class is very underrated in retrospect. It had Kalen King, who's a unicorn at defensive back, who will lead one of the better defensive back rooms in the country. I was wrong. They went 11-2 and and won the Rose Bowl. And if Michigan and Ohio State won their playoff games, which they were a combined nine points away from doing, by nine I mean they, you know, they win, not go to overtime. So add one point to TCU and Georgia, those games that Michigan and Ohio State played, and that's nine points. Nine total points split, give seven to Michigan, two to Ohio State, and they match for the national title game. There'd be an argument that Penn State was the third best team in the country last year. I think this year there's an argument for that again. They have Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen at running back. Singleton averaged over six yards per carry and had 1,000 rushing yards. Catron Allen, more of a power back, led the team in carries, and they added Trayson Potts as well to the running back room. Linebacker, you have Abdul Carter. You have Chop Robinson on the defensive line, and I like where this team is defensively and offensively except for one place, and it's not even a huge weakness. There's an A-minus at the position, and that's quarterback. I don't think Drew Aller's going to be a world beater in year one of starting. It's going to take time. Now, maybe he does what J.J. McCarthy did, though J.J. McCarthy was not asked to do much. I think he'll have a big year this year, 
but last year his supporting cast did a lot of the work, though he looked amazing in the Ohio State game. It's hard to do that, and I don't know if Drew Aller is going to do that. At the beginning of the year and middle, especially, I don't necessarily think so. I think that he will get better as the year goes on and on. That's an area of weakness for Penn State. The staff overall is good. Really, the biggest weakness for Penn State would be James Franklin's game day management, which could cost him an extra game outside of the Ohio State-Michigan game. I don't think it will, though. Penn State out-talents everyone except for those two teams. The problem with those two teams is not only do the Buckeyes and Wolverines return more than the Nittany Lions, but they also have better talent, and they've used the transfer portal more, and they have better head coaches. With all that being said... I have the Nittany Lions going 10-2, 7-2 in conference. I think they will win their whiteout game versus Iowa, but lose on the road to Ohio State and at home in what will likely be a top 10 or top 5 matchup against the Michigan Wolverines. In second place in the Big Ten East, we have the Ohio State Buckeyes led by head coach Ryan Day. This team is one of the best staffs in the country, and I have them as my number two team in the country. So if the number one team in the country doesn't win at all, and I think you all know who that is, they're first place in the Big Ten East, and they're the only team that Ohio State's going to lose to at the end of the year, then the Ohio State Buckeyes, I think, will be the team to get it done. They have Kyle McCord and Devin Brown battling it out for the starting quarterback job. At running back, they have Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson, Chip Trainum, Dallin Hayden, at wide receiver, they return Emeka Ekbuka and Marvin Harrison Jr., who had over 1,000 receiving yards individually last season. Marvin Harrison Jr. was snubbed from the Bolitnikoff Award. They also return wide receiver Julian Fleming and tight end Cade Stover, who looked like Jeremy Rutgert sometimes, and I think his return and another year of development will help Ohio State's tight end room. And speaking of tight ends, Ohio State's not been known to really have a Big Ten identity since Ryan Day came to the conference. 2020, mostly 2021 though, and last year, were teams that loved to pass the ball, were not exactly the most physically tough, more importantly, their secondary play. All those years, the most common thing for those three years is bad secondary play. I think that will be reversed, both of those things for Ohio State. Davis and Igbenosan and Jihad Carter are being brought in from Ole Miss and Syracuse, respectively, and Lathan Ransom, Denzel Burke, and others do return. The departure of Tanner McAllister will hurt, but the transfer portal additions, I think, will more than make up for that. Jim Knowles in year two, there's also going to be a very solid scheme that Ohio State had last season, but it's going to be more adapted to the Big Ten, as the jack position is mainly being converted to a traditional defensive end. So it'll be more of a 4-2-5 rather than a 4-2-5-3-3-5 hybrid, which better fit the Big 12. This defense will better fit the Big Ten. On the offensive line, the interior three should be elite, and that with a good tight end room and a great running back room if healthy means that Ohio State will likely be more of a run team and it will be its more physical version of itself. It will be the most physical Ryan Day team that we've seen since probably the 2019 team. Special teams, I did a little bit more research, actually a lot more research into that, 
and the evidence is there to support that this special teams unit at best will be top 20. I think it will be top 20, but it cannot be top 10. I think because of special teams and just because the fact that the game is in Ann Arbor, those reasons will contribute to Ohio State going 11-1, and 8-1 and one in conference. And for the first time ever as a Michigan Wolverine, I'm predicting in the preseason that Michigan will beat Ohio State. And they will do so for the third year in a row. And finally, in first place for the Big Ten East and undisputed Big Ten East champions and who I think will win the Big Ten, they will beat Wisconsin in Indy, we have the Michigan Wolverines. 12-0, 9-0 in conference for the second year in a row. Though this time, as the number one team in the country, they're going to win their first playoff game ever. They're going to win their second bowl game in the Jim Harbaugh era. And then they'll win the national title. They will win the national championship game. Michigan's weakness is wide receiver in the same way that Ohio State's is tight end and special teams, which I don't think for any of those teams, either of those positions will be weak. Wide receiver for Michigan and special teams for Ohio State, there is some vulnerability there, but I don't think they're going to be some of the worst units in the world if everything goes horribly. Michigan, like Ohio State, has a great staff. Like Ohio State, they have a 4-2-5 defense, which is one of the more modern defenses, one of the best defenses, I think. Last year, unlike Ohio State's, though, it was actually tailored for Big Ten play. This season, both of those defenses will have that in common. They have quarterback J.J. McCarthy, who's returning after he had a season last year where he was a top-20 quarterback in the nation by both passer rating and quarterback efficiency, according to ESPN. They have the number one running back room in the nation with Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. Blake Corum had over 1,000 rushing yards, and he's top five in rushing touchdowns, was projected to be a Heisman Trophy finalist until he got hurt, and him being hurt led to Bijan Robinson winning the Doak Walker Award and led to him missing out on his Heisman Trophy journey. Donovan Edwards nearly had 1,000 rushing yards, and he averaged over seven yards per carry. And he had two rushing touchdowns against Ohio State and over 200 rushing yards against the Buckeyes. So the Michigan Wolverines have two elite running backs. They bring in Drake Nugent, Ladarius Henderson, and Miles Hinton on the offensive line. And Michigan returns Zach Zinner and Trevor Keegan. And those are the best guards in the nation. At least the best guard duo in the country. On the defensive line, Michigan has guys like Josiah Stewart. At linebacker, they have Ernst Hausman, and they also have Junior Colson at linebacker, too. Defensively, on the defensive back end, Mike Sandra still, Will Johnson, Makari Page. There's a lot to like about this Michigan team, and I think they'll have the number one defense in the country. And to go back to the Buckeyes, I think the Buckeyes will once again, for the third year in a row, have the number one offense. Michigan's schedule is cupcake. It's charm and soft, especially early. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, four straight home games. But then road games at Nebraska, Minnesota, and Michigan State could test the Wolverines. And if the Wolverines aren't as good as they have been in the past two seasons, they could lose one of those three games. November will ultimately be the toughest month as both Penn State and Ohio State will be matchups in the month of November. Penn State on the road, Ohio State at home, 
A game against Maryland on the road before the Ohio State game, though, that could be a trap game, especially given Maryland's level of talent at skill positions. And while I do think Michigan will have one of the best defensive back rooms in the nation, we still don't know who's going to be the opposite corner of Will Johnson's. There is a chance that there could be a hole in the secondary, albeit a tiny one, and I think Michigan will fill that position well. And whether it's Amorian Walker or Jaden McBurrows, I think that they'll be developed well, and especially throughout the year, they'll improve, and they could be elite by the end of the season. So that's it for my Big Ten predictions video. Predicted the records of all 14 teams, their placement in the West and East division. Thank you guys for watching. If you enjoyed the video, hit the subscribe button, like the video, and comment your thoughts down below. Thank you guys for watching, and I'll see you all later. Bye-bye.